This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. If you guys want to start a podcast that includes music or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm slash music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much and let's get into the episode. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. We're in LA right now and this was a very last minute thing, but I'm excited that we got it done. <laughs> yes, yes. So we just jump right into setting the record straight, which is where I say some stereotypes, some assumptions, and then you're going to tell me if they're true or false. Okay. First one is you need to have a business plan before starting a business. False. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a business plan for our company, Alabasters, which <coughs> I'm sure we'll go into. Um, we just had an idea and we put it up on Kickstarter and it just sort of took off. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I feel like that's something that... Not that it's outdated, because I do think some businesses do need a business plan, but yeah. I think that it's not a necessity, and a lot of people are scared to start something because of that, oh my gosh, I need a 40-page business plan with all mm-hmm. my financials and product- projections, and that's just not the case as much anymore. Yeah, I think what people need more is just like the courage to actually do it. So yeah. I think people have great ideas and great plans, but I, what I've seen sort of like bring people over to actually have a business and start a business is the courage to just go and do it yeah and the good idea and the right people around you we'll talk all about that too and it's easier to start a business with a co-founder uh (laughs) i I have mixed (laughs) thoughts about this i mean i have friends who have started a business on their own and they're doing really well i think i've appreciated a partner and a co-founder to bounce ideas with but it it isn't easy Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of things that we're needing to decide together talk about together um we get into a lot of arguments together so um yeah it's not i wouldn't say it's easier but it's i think for me it's a lot of fun to have someone to partner with yeah especially if they're the right fit i feel like with a business partner you have to have someone that compliments you Mm -hmm. and kind of has strengths that might be your weaknesses so i think that's always really important yes and it's hard to tap into the religion market as a business that's a good question mixed Mm -hmm. i think so for our company, we uh, our target audience is a lot younger. Mm-hmm. And what I've known, uh, noticed about the religion market, the Christian market, is that um, it sort of skews older. Um, yeah. It's sort of there are a lot of s- systems, companies in place that sort of reach and skew towards an older demographic. Um, I think with where technology is heading today and how young people can DM each other, like yeah. or just reach out to people um, in more natural conversational ways. I think it's been a lot easier for us to sort of break into it and um, yeah, start a business in the Christian space. Yeah, no, that's really true that you say it is an older market. I yep. think that's what's interesting about your books is that it is geared towards younger people. Yep. Whereas if you go to like a Christian Bible store, it's like yeah. very outdated. Yes. All like an old woman is working the counter. Yeah. You know, it's very, <laughs> uh, I feel like older, like you were saying. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now just tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah. about what Alabaster Bibles is. Yeah, so my name is Brian. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of Alabaster. Um, a little about me, so I run, uh, we, we're a faith-based um, publishing company. 
and we're known for our beautiful Bibles. Um, but something that people might not know about me is I didn't actually grow up Christian. I grew up in a Buddhist household. Um, I went to like temples growing up and uh, came into college agnostic. So spiritual, like believing in a God, but not really following anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, later on became a Christian in college. And I remember getting my first Bible. I was super excited, but also a little intimidated. The first couple pages were um, things to fill out is about the translation, not the actual story. Mm -hmm. uh, the text was really condensed. Um, some words were in black, some words were in red. I didn't understand what that meant at the time. And the paper was really, really thin. Mm -hmm. And so it was just unlike any other book that I had experienced. Um, lying next to me was my marketing textbook and it was designed like a magazine. And yeah. for the first time in college, I felt super pumped to read my college textbook. And I thought to myself, could this, could the Bible be designed differently? Didn't really do anything about it at the time. Um, it was about 10 to 12 years later. I'm having this conversation with my co-founder. His name is also Brian Chung. We're not related at all. <laughs> and we're having this conversation about art, faith, the two things that we're really passionate about. And... I tossed this idea like, hey, what if we designed the Bible beautifully? And his eyes lit up. He got really excited. He told some of his housemates. And um, I was already working a full-time job, um, but he just sort of uh, kept thinking about it. And he said, well, let's do this together. And um, yeah, it, we just decided to launch the Kickstarter. So That's awesome. Yeah. And when you say that you didn't grow up in a Christian household. Are your parents now, are they still Buddhist or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're still Buddhist. Um, I'm not sure where my brother is <laughs> yeah. in terms of spirituality. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, a little bit also more about my, my background. I didn't, um, immediately after graduating college, I did some startup stuff, but um, my full-time job was working at a Christian nonprofit. And so okay. for a good amount of time, my parents didn't really understand what I was doing. Um, it was just something that I was passionate about, something I was excited to do. Um, I think along the way, they've started to sort of understand my faith, my belief, why I do what I do. Um, and now that I run a business, I think they, they understand a little bit yeah. more, so they're a little uh, more excited about what, what I do. Yeah, and with Alabaster Bibles, how did it come? Like, how did you guys have the idea, yeah. decide to start the business? Yeah. Like, how was that, the process of that like? Yeah, so... The other Brian was uh, about to join me in this uh, nonprofit, and he was going to work at a art campus. I was at the University of Southern California working, um, and while I was still doing my job, he he kept daydreaming about this business, and um, he's like, "Let's do this, let's do this." And so he came up with the name um, Alabaster. It's one of the few uh, times where. Uh, Jesus uses the word beautiful in the scriptures and um, we decided like hey let's let's launch a Kickstarter I had some experience with Kickstarter and so we went to a local print shop in Los Angeles um, we printed 12 pages and we had the rest of the pages blank um, we took some pictures of it so it looked like an actual mm -hmm. mock-up of it and you know we had no idea what, what we were doing we had no money we had no investor um, and we decided hey let's just put it up there if people like it then I'll We'll do, we'll do something more about it. Yeah. How uh, did you find the artists for the the pictures, or did you take them yeah, yourself? Yeah, those are all original photography. So um, wow. my co-founder Brian did that, and um, yeah, we put it up online. Uh, we thought it was a good idea to sort of keep it a secret, but mm -hmm. now looking back, like that's that's not how you launch a Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to let people know. <laughs> uh, we told a small group of friends, but that was it, and we launched it, and people started sharing it, and. Um, within, I think, seven days, it was picked up by the USC newspaper. Within 10 days, it was picked up by um, a national um, publication. And it just sort of grew into something a little bigger than what we expected. And so um, in the end, we ended up raising close to double what our initial goal was. And, um, you know, at the time, we didn't really have like a full blown product. And so <laughs> <laughs> with that, it took us six months to actually produce the final thing. Okay. So, um, designing the entire book, finding an artist to do it, finding a printer. We, we didn't have any of that. And so uh, found all those things and took all the photography for it, um, printed it, got it delivered uh, in a friend's warehouse in Los Angeles, and we started shipping it out. We we're super excited. We we're like, this finally, like we can get it to the hands of our customers. This is really fun, exciting for us. 
And a week after delivery, our friends started contacting us and they're like, Brian, have you, have you read like the book of Mark? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we like proofed it. Like, it's good, it's good. And they said, um, I think there's a typo. Like, oh. <laughs> there are lines from the book of Mark, the Bible, that are mm-hmm. missing. And we quickly pulled one out, like looked at it, and we're like, oh my gosh, like there are three lines that are missing in this book. How did they realize? You know what? That's they like, love I... reading their Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> I would never realize. Yeah. I would... <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. So they read it. And I think there's this dilemma of like, what do we do? Like, do we tell all our customers? Like, it was expensive to print already. Like, it uh, it was expensive to ship it all out. Um, Do we wait until they complain and then we ship it out? Or do we let them know? Mm -hmm. Um, What do we do? And uh, I I mean, at the time, you know, it, it was just a little side project. But we toss around the other, like, oh, like, what if this actually became a business of ours, and what kind of business do we want to be, and um, I mean, ultimately we decided, like, we we want to be a company with integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to let people know that there is a big typo within this book. Yeah. And, um, we decided we need to reprint it and reship it out to all our customers. Did that hurt you a lot financially? Yeah, I would say we didn't make much money <laughs> off the first Kickstarter. <laughs> Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Airs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces inner pair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. 
I just wanted to take a quick break to thank TM Soft's White Noise Sleep Sounds for sponsoring today's episode. Are you having trouble sleeping, focusing, or relaxing? If the answer is yes, then TM Soft's White Noise Sleep Sounds podcast has got you covered. This hour-long podcast is made to help you get rid of distractions, reduce stress, relax, and get better sleep. You can listen to the sounds of nature, white noise, relaxing music, and so much more. You can check out the TM Soft's White Noise Sleep Sounds podcast on Spotify or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. So I mean, what a lesson, though, to be learned. I feel like, were you super overwhelmed when you got, when you announced the Kickstarter, you made yep. the Kickstarter, and then 10 days later, people, it was in a national newspaper. Yep. Like, was that really overwhelming? Did you quit your job right away? <laughs> or how was I that? Um, yeah, it was, it was really surprising. I didn't anticipate that at all, I think. Um, it was just really cool to see a bunch of people sort of start reaching out to me, saying, mm-hmm. like, hey, I love your idea. Why didn't anyone think about this or do this before? Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, it wasn't at the point where we were wanting to quit our jobs because mm-hmm. it was it was uh, still still sizable, but not, I don't think, enough. Yeah. Um, um, but it was just, I mean, it, you, you never know what to expect the Kickstarter. Right. So some people, like, they say that, like, 90% of Kickstarters fail. Mm-hmm. And so to actually succeed and to double what we initially raised was amazing for us. Yeah. And for those of you listening who don't, or for those people listening who don't know what Kickstarter is, can you explain what it is? I feel like it's not used as much today or <laughs> I don't know. I don't hear as many projects going viral or businesses going viral on Kickstarter as much. Yeah. So Kickstarter is a crowdfunding platform where people sort of put their ideas up online um it's either a product or maybe it's a film and people can sort of donate to it um to fund the idea there are rewards that you can get um, but nothing is really guaranteed and it's sort of like an all or nothing sort of thing Mm -hmm. so say you set your goal hey i want to raise thirty thousand dollars if you raise thirty thousand dollars or more you get it if you don't you get nothing okay and do you have like a time limit for that yep you have you can set it between 30 to 60 days Oh, quick. Yeah, yeah. That's intimidating. Yeah. How did yours get found then if you weren't sharing it on social media as much? So, I mean, when we initially launched, um, that's where we just blasted it out to our friends. We told them to share. Um, We created this really cool video. And I think what we wanted to show, like our product was a very visual product. So uh, what makes Alabaster different is that uh, we weave like beautiful photography and imagery um, and using like really thoughtful design mm-hmm. um, intertwined into the full text of each individual book of the Bible. And so we're thoughtful about um, like negative space. We're thoughtful about the paper. The paper is really thick. We're thoughtful about the entire experience that you have. Um, and I think people were just compelled by that of how right. it just visual it was. And so it just made it really easy for people to share online and think. So I think um, that's where we, our friend just started doing that for us. And um yeah, I think this was also like when Kickstarter was just having their their boom. moment. Yeah, their <laughs> moment. So it just sort of like was a really good fit for us. Awesome. And how did you and Brian initially meet before you had this business idea? So how did you guys know you were going to be good business partners? I feel yeah. like my podcast is focused a lot on business and the real side of things, not mm-hmm. just the after yep. and the glamour of it. So was that a difficult decision going into business with a friend or? Yeah, so... Um, I was working again for a Christian nonprofit that partnered on college campuses with students to sort of uh, lead Christian events. He was one of my students. I had mentored him for a couple years, um, and then he was going to work for me um, as part of uh, the nonprofit work. And uh, towards that time, towards the end, we just became really good friends. Um, I think there's like a, just a five year difference between the two mm-hmm. of us, and. Yeah, we worked on a lot of projects together. I think we cared about the same things. We valued the same things. Right. Um, but I think there was a big shift for us of like, okay, I used to mentor him. Like, how can we actually like make decisions together and not have like my voice carry mm-hmm. more weight because I've mentored him before? And so um, I think we just had a really good, honest conversation about that. It wasn't easy. Like, we've had so many like really tense moments. Um, really? But I think what helped was that we both trusted each other um and so i think that made him a really good partner Mm -hmm. was that like yeah we disagreed on a lot of things but i think at the base level like we deeply trusted each other and knew that we um loved each other had had 
each other's back and uh, really care about the business together. Right, right. And did you did you or him grow up studying religion? So I know you weren't a Christian before, but yep. was religion something you were always interested in? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was interested in business. I was mm-hmm. interested in design. Um, and I think when I became a Christian, that's where things just got, like I just became just more curious about it. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't make the decision lightly. It was something that I like really, really thought out um, because it's, it's, a, it's a life decision. Like people don't change religions all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and I think once I started to understand and know who God was, the story of Jesus, it was just really compelling for me. And so um, uh, in college, during my time working in nonprofit work, I learned a lot about the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. I taught the Bible a lot. And so that's where... Um, yeah, I just got kind of studied it on my own. Um, and then the other Brian, uh, yeah, I, I would say he, he is sort of similar. He had some uh, Christian background, um, but he didn't really, like, own his faith until college. And so okay. he sort of, like, dived deeper into it during his time in college. Okay, no, that's really cool. Yeah. And did you feel scared going into the redesigning the Bible? Like, I the Bible is such an old text, yep. and it's been around forever. And yeah. They all look the same, essentially. <laughs> yeah. So was that a kind of nerve-wracking for you guys to change something that mm-hmm. is so sacred and that's been around for so long? Yeah. Um, I mean, so we were really inspired by um, sort of the role that the church played historically in in creating artwork. Um, and so if you think about, like, uh, back in the day, the church used to be the center of, of beauty and art with these beautiful Renaissance paintings, these stained glass windows, um, these really beautiful ancient cathedrals. And sort of along the way, um, that just sort of stopped. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know for me, as someone that was a creative, that was an artist, um, oftentimes my work in the church was just to make the PowerPoint look nice or <laughs> to make <Yeah>. the flyer <laughs> look nice. And um, I felt like artists and creatives had a bigger role to play in the movement of the church. Um, also, I think uh, when when I became Christian, I just I was like, hey, like I want to see like what Christian fashion is like, like what kind of things are out there. And um, I was googling things, and I was just really disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> so, I was like, what did you find? Yeah, I so I found a T-shirt. Supposed to, you know, this is gonna date me a little bit when MySpace was in. Okay. Um, that said, Jesus saved MySpace with the logo in heaven, and so like really mm, cheesy yeah. stuff. I would watch Christian movies, and they were really cheesy. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of felt like, where where is the excellence in like <laughs> art? Um, and so I think for us, like as we were creating the product, it was really important that uh, we held ourselves to the same level of excellence and standard that any other company was. Mm-hmm. Um, that both people who who grew up in the church all their life, who identify as Christian, and people who who aren't Christian, who aren't religious, would just see our product and say, like, "Wow, this is actually a really beautiful product." And I might not necessarily agree with everything that's in it, um, but you've you've made a really good product, and so. Um, I think that's just been the feedback that we've had. Like people, uh, guess who are Christian love it, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. people who aren't are are curious about it, and that's just been really cool for us. I think, um, you know, we do get some pushback because I was the Bible ask has what? been like you know the same <laughs> for ages. Um, um, but I think, like, as we look at the tradition of like the, the story of of faith and um, things that have happened throughout Christian history. Like what we're doing is, is is an old practice, an old practice of illuminating the scriptures of like, you know, the stained glass windows was taking stories from the Bible mm-hmm. and illuminating through these beautiful pieces of right. artwork. And so we're just sort of doing that in a modern way. Um, you know, some people aren't always into it, yeah. um, but we found, uh, especially with young people, really drawn to it. Um, I know, you know, there are tons of people that are like, oh, I... I don't read my Bible, but with yours, <laughs> like I read it every day. <laughs> so That's so funny. And yeah. how do you respond to that pushback and to the, I guess, I don't want to call them haters, but yeah. I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> negative people. Yeah. I remember I, like, you know, as an artist and as a designer, like you, you really put yourself like out there. I'm sure like when you're creating your podcast, it's not just like a product. It's, mm-hmm. it's like you, it's yeah. your identity. And, 
um, out for people to sort of like see to say positive things, but also to critique. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you might, you know, might've felt this earlier on, but it's like, oh, like I took those things really personally. Like, oh yeah, the negative comments are always the one that hurt you or that actually affect you. Yeah. You can get, so I do YouTube also. Mm-hmm. And on YouTube, if I get a negative comment and 30 good comments, yeah. I focus on the negative <laughs> yes, one. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, wait, I, why? Like there's so many positive comments. Why am I focusing on this yeah. one bad thing that someone said about me? Yeah, so I think, you know, um, this past year, uh, our story just got picked up a lot by by the media and the press. Uh, we were on the front page of the Washington Post and uh, for the business section, um, as well as on TV and in the news. And I think uh, I just, you know, there's this moment where I just sort of got sucked into the comment section. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And people are not nice in the comment section. <laughs> And, um, I, you know, I remember my friends were like, just, just don't check it. Don't yeah, check it. it's so much easier said than done, though. <laughs> yeah, but I checked it. <laughs> and so, you know, it was it was it was definitely challenging and definitely hard, I think, um, to not take it personally. You know, now I don't look at it as much and just, just focus on creating excellent work. Um, but, you know, like with anything that you make in any business or any person, like no one is going to get 100 percent like love right. you. And so, right. um I think I'm just continue to focus on like creating good work, um, putting my my art out there, uh, my designs out there, my thoughts out there, um, and you know I think my faith grounds me. So one of the the teachings of Jesus is that I'm deeply loved, and I think I hold on to that. Like omits what other people say about me, regardless if they're negative. Like mm-hmm. that I know that I'm still loved. No, oh, I love that. Yeah. And you were saying that you were on the front page of the Washington Post, yep. and I know you said that they said that you were an Instagram-worthy Bible. Yeah, yeah. So is that, was that your intention in the beginning, to be Instagram-worthy? Like, mm-hmm. when you were designing it, were you thinking, oh, this is going to do great on social media? No. So I think um, it was really interesting because that was, that was just a line that the press sort of, like, really? took in blue. Yeah, so um, we were inspired by... The visual generation that we were living in. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with young folks, millennials, Gen Zs, we're just in a highly visual culture, and right. so we're constantly consuming tons of media online, whether that's Instagram, YouTube. I know you're um, really active on both, um, and uh, we were just thinking, like, what does it look like to apply that into sort of like a like uh, think about faith and applying more visuals in mm-hmm. faith. I think. Uh, a lot of the Christian faith is just filled with a lot of words. And so it's usually like you're sitting in a pew, your pastor is sort of preaching his words. You sing songs, they're filled with words. The Bible is full of words. And um, I think for us, we have this belief that God is so much bigger than what words can express. And sometimes like an image can even, sp- uh, God can speak to you in an image. And uh, with all the sort of visual pieces and elements that are in the world today, we're like, oh, I think... God can speak to this generation through that. And so I think we were, we were inspired by us being a visual generation. Right. Um, but it was never to sort of create a product that was Instagram worthy. Although yeah. I'm glad that it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it it's easy have, marketing for us. I was going to say, has that, how have you seen that affect your business? I feel like you guys, since you guys are known as that Instagram worthy mm-hmm. Bible, yeah. people are p- constantly taking pictures of it. I know I've seen it on social media. Mm-hmm. The ads that you guys run on Facebook that I've seen, yeah. like those are really, really visually appealing and yeah. nice and clean and minimal. So how have you seen social media affect your business? Do you do marketing on your own or do you kind of rely on other people to post yeah, about it? Yeah, so uh, in 2017 was when we you know, first sort of took it from this Kickstarter idea to filling it and thinking about how can we take this into an actual business. And um, what made our product and our business a little bit different is that usually when, when someone releases a book, they go through a publisher and then um, each publishing house also owns a translation of the Bible. So there are multiple translations, uh, even English translations of the Bible. And then they push it out to stores and people you know, will go to stores or Amazon and buy it. Um, but what was different about us is we didn't have a publisher. We were self-published. And so um, we were thinking about how can we think about how we run our business, how we interact with customers differently. And I know this sounds like everyone's doing this already, but we were like, oh, like, let's be on Instagram. Let's have influencers, people that are passionate about their faith and want to share this. And so uh, I don't know if we were like one of the first. like This was 2017. 2017. Yeah. Um, where I think influencers were really, really like a, it was thing. like the prime, prime of, yeah. or the beginning of the big 
influencer marketing. Yes. Probably influencer was like coined then because yes. I feel like that's a pretty new word. Yeah. yeah. And so we would contact people who were passionate about faith and God and just, you know, hey, we'd love to gift you one of our books. Um, would you share it with your with your followers? And we just built like a loyal influencer base that like just loved us and would even promote us after we sent them products. And um, that's, I think, where we just started. We, you know, we didn't have much money, and so, but we had products. <laughs> we had yeah. products from that mis misprint. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, you know, we, um, yeah, we just, I think that's where we, we initially started. And um, I think for us also, because we're, you know, direct-to-consumer business, uh, we can have really, real and authentic conversations with our customers mm -hmm. so rather than just being like this big organization talking to someone i don't know through like there's multiple layers before actually reaching the customer like where we see all their comments we see right. the amazing things of how our products are changing people's lives we see the not so good things but um, we're able to build that relationship in a more uh i think authentic way Right. And you were saying how when you first started this Kickstarter, you were work or you got a much bigger response than you expected. Yeah. It took six months to print and give it to your customers. Mm -hmm. How was that while you were working a full-time job? So you were working a full-time job. I can't mm -hmm. imagine that you're doing all the artwork you're designing. You probably have to read the entire books yes, yes, before yep, you're yeah, printing yep, them yep, out, which yep. takes a very long time. Yes. How did you manage that? Yeah. Well, part of my job my, my full-time job was to read the Bible. So, oh, was it? So what were you doing before? So, yeah, it was... Was it the Christian nonprofit? Yeah, Christian nonprofit. Okay. So I would teach the Bible to the students. Okay. And so there was some overlap already there. Uh, but yeah, it was just during some of the off times where like Brian and I would intentionally schedule time to like work on the business. And so despite, you know, my the nonprofit work was a lot. It was like more than 40 hours a week. But mm -hmm we would schedule in Fridays, Friday afternoons, about four hours to to meet, to talk through things, um, to make decisions about the business. Um, and then, you know, I would say I was extremely grateful for Brian because he he held a lot of it amidst me having a full-time job. He had a, only had a part-time job at the time. And so he was able to carry more of the weight. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we launched uh, four books initially with the Kickstarter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the Book of Psalms. And through those five books, uh, I think this is why I'm just so grateful for him being my partner, is that he carried it. And, uh, you know, now I think there are moments where I'm carrying a little bit more. There are moments where we're holding it equally, but I don't think I would have been able to, to do it without him. Um, but I, I also think that we, or at least, at least for me, like having a full-time job, it, uh, I think it just helped me like prioritize my life. Mm -hmm. um, like, what are some of the things that are really important that I want to devote time to? I had to schedule it in um, because it was important. And mm -hmm. as I did that, that that helped the business grow. Yeah. And ha since then, have you quit this? Yep. Yeah. Even and now you do this full time. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How? When were you able to finally quit? Yeah. So at the end of 2018, uh, well. Mid, there's a story to it. Mid 2018, we had our uh, launch party for one of our books, the Book of Psalms, and it was in LA at a cafe. And um, we invited a lot of our friends to it. We brought some products um, to people to buy. And, you know, we we're still small at the time. And so we thought, oh, I don't know if people are going to buy it. We'll just buy it, like, bring a couple books just in case we want to purchase it but was this open to the public open to the public okay but a lot of our friends came yeah and so we're like a lot of friends already own it so i don't know if they're gonna get it but at the end of the night um someone bought all of it and we're like who like what happened like <laughs> we, we weren't expecting to sell out and later on we get an email from the cafe owner and he says hey like my uncle came and he wants to meet up with you. He was the per person that bought everything. <laughs> so we're like, okay, who is this guy? So um, we met up, um, I think within a couple days and uh, we're having a conversation with him. He sort of sits down with us. He shares a little bit about his story. He right now runs one of the largest baby crib manufacturers in the nation. It's called Million Dollar Baby. And um, how he is now in seminary, so school studying faith and theology and Christianity mm -hmm. and um, he was like hey like I, I want to just mentor you guys and so we would meet 
like once every couple of weeks, talk about faith, talk about business. And um, he was just really drawn to what we were doing. And at the end of December, he sat us down and he said, hey, I want to invest in your business. And the only caveat is you need to go full time. <laughs> so it means leaving your other jobs. Wow. And so that was really scary for us because it's, you know, our livelihood yeah. like, on the line. I mean, quitting a job to be self-employed, to run your own business is so scary. Yes, yes. I'm sure you're, you know. Yeah. It's very, very intimidating. And yeah. It's just not stable. I mean, yeah. it could be stable, but, you know, it's it's less, oh, I get a paycheck every two weeks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, it. I looked at what was coming in and I'm like, can this actually work? Mm-hmm. And... Um, so it wasn't until February of 2019, so a year ago, where I left my job, my other part-time job, and decided to go full-time with Alabaster. And even like the first couple of months, like we were losing money, mm-hmm. and it was scary. <laughs> we're like, will this actually work? Will this actually pan out? Um, at that time, like we were also just like, there's just so much stuff to get done, and we need other people to help with this. So it meant like hiring another person. Yeah. And so, you know, you're thinking like, oh, that's more money (laughs) leaving the business. Um, But I think like, I think it's been incredibly worth it for me. It's been really exciting. Um, I don't regret it at all. I think it's been a really amazing journey for us. Like, I think just, I think for me, like putting 100% of my attention to, to running Alabaster, like you just, you're like, I can see how it just sort of exponentially grew. Right. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. Because you can focus all your time on it. And yeah. also, it's one of those things where it's like, now you have no choice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you, It has to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you make the decision to hire someone else, especially when you were losing money? So how? Yeah. Uh, we, you know, like, it was just, we realized what we were strong in and what we were not. And right. so, um, Brian is a fantastic at branding and creative work and so really excellent at at like photography thinking about the brand thinking about um how our brand is being portrayed to the public and crafting uh authentic stories to communicate that um i am a little opposite i think about the analytics the numbers the data the business sense um and we just needed help also with the customer experience as Mm -hmm. well as uh some of the accounting and the finance and like that like i understand that but like there was just there was just so much to handle right and um uh we had a friend that um brian said like hey if i had to hire like the first like my first employee it'd be uh, it'd be willa and so he said that in the car we were driving back home from an investor meeting and we're like okay let me just call willa (laughs) and see and see what she thinks so like literally he gave the idea put her on speakerphone and i said hey we're looking for someone to hire um would you be interested and um it took a little wooing (laughs) yeah so is she full-time she's full-time now okay wow that's really really cool that's something I always struggle with is mm-hmm. figuring out when to hire someone. Mm-hmm. So right now I have myself yep. and I have an assistant yep. that's just part time. Yep. And I don't know when, like, I feel like I need to hire someone because I'm just very overwhelmed, yeah. but I don't yeah. know yeah. <laughs> how to even go about, like, how do I even look for someone? Yeah. Do I have to pay them benefits? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So it's, it's a lot. And I, I think, I mean, we're even thinking about that now. So like in 2019, we hired two other full-time employees and even that was just like a learning experience of okay we need to run payroll like how right. do you run payroll how do you think about compliance and taxes benefits how does that work mm-hmm. um, and so that was a huge learning experience for us um, but even now like I think you know we have some lofty goals for 2020 and then you know I've, I've heard you have lofty goals for 2020 yeah. as well and it was I think for us it was like okay we need to like we really need to set things up to to grow well mm-hmm. otherwise we're just operating at the same capacity as before and like yes it's gonna cost us a little bit but we're gonna take that risk because if it's set up really really well then I think it's gonna help us exponentially grow in the future and so this February is a little hard because it's like okay we're taking actually a pause on a lot of the selling mm-hmm. and thinking a lot through our organizational structure 
you know, on the way here, I was listening to a podcast about OKRs, like how to think about your objectives and key results, like as you grow your business. Um, and uh, we're thinking about hiring. And so we're putting a bunch of job descriptions out there. If anyone's listening. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're hiring a bunch. Um, and, you know, that takes a lot of work, too. It's just, you know, all the interviews and trying to make sure they're a good cultural fit. Like, I think, you know, we can always train skills, but, like, do they jive with our company culture? It has mm -hmm. been something that we've been t talking about. Like, what is our company culture? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot, but I love the learning process. And I'm sure, you, you know, you're, as you've been growing, you've, like, learned, loved the learning process. Yeah, all. it's so crazy because I feel like sitting here listening to you talk about these, like, oh, payroll and yeah. compliances and all this yeah. stuff, it sounds so intimidating. And even setting up like an LLC, for yep. example, it's mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, how do I do that? That's so intimidating. Yeah. But I feel like if anyone's listening and they are trying to start a business, they're trying to start something, it's not as intimidating once you start asking questions, once yeah. you start finding, like find an accountant, find a yes. lawyer, find someone, you know, like once you start finding those right people, I feel like things fall into place more. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, just asking for help. Yeah. So there's yeah. so many people with that experience and I found that like people are more like you know I live in LA where some people have the stereotype like everyone's sort of out for themselves mm -hmm. but I've really found the opposite to be true where people are just really down especially entrepreneurs like they understand the grind and the hustle and mm -hmm. they're like willing to help each other out and so they're like hey we're doing this like what do you think you know right so right I'm going to take a quick break to tell you guys about our sponsor. You guys all know what Spotify is, but on Spotify, you can listen to all of your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. So you do not need to have a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one that you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcast so you never miss an episode. Premium users can download episodes to listen to offline wherever you are. And you can also easily share what you're listening to with your friends on Instagram. So if you're listening to this ad right now, you should take a pause and share your podcast or share my podcast, I should say, on your Instagram story and let other people know where to find it. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app, search for The Real Real Podcast on Spotify, or browse podcasts in your library tab. Also, make sure to follow me so you never miss an episode of The Real Real Podcast. That's been really good. That's how I feel about New York. People yeah. are like, New Yorkers are so mean. I'm like, honestly, I think that I've met some of the nicest people there. I don't think they're mean. I have my stories about New York. <laughs> I love New York. <laughs> I really have found the nicest people there. Yeah, yeah. But no, starting a business is really intimidating, yes. especially when you are quitting your job. You're going into something kind of unknown. I feel like you're the first ones to really do anything like this similarly. Mm -hmm. Like, have you found now that you've come out with this, you've had competitors? people that are copying you yeah i mean there are things online and uh we notice them here and there but i uh, i think it's nothing that we're really afraid of right now right so you know like if you amazon a beautiful bible right now there's mm -hmm. something that almost looks exactly like us but inside it's printed in black and white and so mm -hmm. i'm like okay that's not it's a huge threat for us because our all our pages are are in full color and so it's a photography so obviously mm -hmm. like that's important for us do you still do all the designs yourself you take all the pictures yourself so originally we uh did 90 percent of the photography and there five percent were some friends but i think the question we've been thinking about is how you know uh we knew that 2019 was a big year for us like you know we were covered all over in the press and we know that people are watching and so one of our investors he sort of sat us down in january and we we're like you need to be prepared like this is the year that people will start copying you more oh a hundred percent i'm surprised that there hasn't been yeah, already yeah. yeah so he was like like one of the ways that you know companies differentiate themselves innovation or product and so like you need to start making more products and so mm -hmm. we've been thinking about how do we you know in the past it took us about four to six months to make one book mm -hmm. like one brand new but last year we released three new books only and this year we have a goal of like 12 books and so we're trying to think how can we scale that and so i mean over the years like in 2019 we were able to like find a bunch of photographers that mm -hmm. either have worked professionally like shot for adidas or for the gates foundation to just amateur photographers that we really believe in and we want to show their work to people and so yeah, i think it's cool you can kind of support local artists as mm -hmm, well mm -hmm. yeah i think that could be really cool yeah i think that's been really important for us I think like um, you know I, I think for for me as I think about the Christian space sometimes it's sort of dominated by a lot of 
uh, big names, faces, or so sort mm-hmm. of celebrity pastors, and um, I think there's you know there is. I see the value in sort of like the name recognition for people to sort of say like, hey, this is a trustworthy person. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think for us, like, hey, we want you to highlight other other stories, other photographers, other artists that might not um, have their name out there and just right. sort of help them. Just similar, you know, we didn't expect Alabaster Caesar to sort of be where it is today, and so we want to bring people up with us. Right. And what are your goals for 2020 besides product? Can you say them, or can you say the products you're coming yeah, out with? Yeah, I mean, this is we'll go into like some of the. The bigger like things I've been thinking about okay. with with brands, direct to consumer brands. So uh, I know that like as as the younger generation gets older, so Gen Z folks, um, uh, there's a study that showed that they're forty percent of them they're forty percent more likely to buy from like a direct to consumer brand versus like a big box retailer mm-hmm. than the previous generation. I would agree to that. Yeah. I don't buy as much from, well, okay, besides Amazon, because yeah. I do buy things <laughs> yeah, on yeah, Amazon, yeah. but I really shop more at local small stores. Like, yes. I don't go to Target as much, yes. or I haven't been to Walmart in forever, yep. or mm-hmm. things like that. Like, I don't buy as much from there, yeah. but I'll see a Facebook. I mean, I'm such a sucker for the Facebook ads. Like, <laughs> people, I am their target audience. Like, yeah. I literally was on the plane coming here to LA and yeah. I saw this like eyebrow thing yeah. and like, I was, I bought it. Yeah. I bought it just that's on the plane, yep. you know, like direct yep. from their website. Yep. So, yeah. And so, I mean, we're seeing an insurge of that. Um, a lot of uh, uh, previously commodity items like turned into these really beautiful and stunning brands. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, like you think about just the mattress space, there's a tons of like direct consumer mattress companies right, and before right. like that was seen as like a very like innovative thing but now we're seeing like there's so many because they're, they're seeing the ability to go directly to the consumer and how like advantageous that advantageous that is mm-hmm. um, and so the question that people have been wondering is like how like as brands become to like reach go to direct to consumer more like how will they differentiate themselves um, uh, because now there's becoming more competition Right, and so what people are saying that is going to differentiate brands is their ability to create content, and so like you I mean you, so I think what you're doing is great with all this different content, but like you see Amazon and Apple like getting like investing tons of money into original content, and so you're thinking like you see other brands starting to try to do that a little bit more, like whether that's like you know Menlo Club has their own like podcast, mm-hmm. um, and so what. Uh, is different about media versus like so previously direct consumer brands like it's easy to scale real quick just pour money into Facebook and Instagram advertising and like you're able to reach this huge audience right um, uh, but what's hard about media is that it takes a lot of work it like it's not this sort of like soft skill it, it's this really like you have to be creative you have to like produce content that people are actually going to consume and then yeah. you have to like edit it and make sure there's a certain quality and like it's not just ads where you plug yes. in the demographic yes. put some money to it and send it out exactly yeah so i think i mean i think for us we've just been thinking about like and people have been sort of asking like what are uh i think for us it's like hey like let's let's create media for people um that people want to consume and not just for the sake of like creating like an advertising product but like or an advertisement but rather just like just really good and beautiful video or audio or written content that Mm -hmm. um, our customers would just like that's awesome I actually agree with that because I actually listen to a podcast from do you know what Sephora is yes I do yeah it's like a makeup brand and they have their own collection like based on Sephora because Sephora sells a bunch of different brands and it's their lipsticks and they have a lip story podcast where they interview women entrepreneurs and founders of companies and they incorporate like their lipstick to it like what lipstick do you like wearing or whatever I don't know but like I listen to that even though it has nothing to do with makeup or anything but I know it's like oh Sephora lip stories and you would never think a makeup brand needs to start creating content yes you would just think the product is enough yes and I mean I think that people are you know really valuing the brand more so than ever before and so makes it feel more authentic more authentic and I mean if you think about like where like technology has shifted over the years like you if you wanted makeup you would google it like Mm -hmm. and there are a bunch of results right now like 
you know, you see technology shifting into like voice where you're like just talking to Alexa, like or Google to like, hey, buy me some makeup. Yeah. Like, what's the closest makeup store? Right. <laughs> so it's like the ability for the customer and consumer to identify your brand easily. Like it's becoming increasingly more important as technology has sort of shifted and changed. Yeah, no, that's actually really interesting. I I never like thought about that. Yeah. How people need to start creating content. Yeah. I'm excited for your 2020 though and what's to come what is your long-term goal for alabaster what do you hope to achieve just broader yeah so our vision for alabaster is see all of humanity experience god is good and beautiful and the reason why we have that vision is because i think sometimes in the media or even you know as someone that didn't grow up christian how i was brought up was that like i had this negative perception about religion and faith as something that was bad or something that was ugly and I think as I've sort of explored faith on my own I realized that God is indeed good and beautiful and wanting to show that with the world I think people have sometimes misused scripture for things that have been really hurtful for people and Mm -hmm. we want to show this different perspective of who God is what Christianity is all about Um, and I think it's sort of intertwined in all the things that we do so clearly in our product but I think for us like we want to make sure every customer, whether you're religious or not, to feel deeply loved as sort of, you know, there's a commandment to love thy neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like, you might be sending us a really mean email. Like, at the end, we hope that you feel loved. Like, we'll do whatever it takes um, to the stories that we come out with. And so we're really wanting to highlight diverse voices of people's experience about God. And so sometimes, um, I think sometimes people's experience of God can just be, like, from what their pastor says or so mm-hmm. from what a book say. And I think, uh, I believe that God is in, can speak through anyone and, um, that we are created in his image and, uh, our stories, everyone's stories are valuable and, uh, wanting to, to show that the diversity of, of voices through the content that we make to, to show that God is good and beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. No, I really love that. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Of course, I loved learning fun. about how you started your company, the business side of it, and also the passion side yeah, and yeah. why you did this and your mission. I think it's really cool. So before we go, where can they find you? Where can they find the books? All of that yes, stuff. Plug have, you, your uh, co-founder. <laughs> website, alabasterco.com. Um, we're also on Amazon. Uh Brian and I have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is just Brian Chung, B-R-I-A-N-C-H-U-N-G. And then the other co-founder is Brian Yi Chung. So he recently got married. So he and his wife merged their last name. Oh. Also <laughs> makes it a little easier. So he's B-R-Y-A-N-Y-E-C-H-U-N-G. So. Awesome. I'm going to have everything in the show notes. Awesome. But thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is really fun. Hey, my name is Lovan Roomf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.